Hello, everyone. Welcome to our global panel for domestic assault, sexual assault survivors. We're so excited that you're joining us tonight. This is hosted by Regine Gigi Sabat with Life Service Center of America. We are very excited to bring these stories, these champions that are sharing their stories, some of them for the first time. I'd like to open this with some statistics. There's alarming sexual violence statistics out from 2020. One of the most shocking facts about sexual assault is that approximately only 5% of sexual assault reports are proven false. 82% of all juvenile sexual assault victims are female. 90% of adult rape victims are female. 41% of sexual assaults against native Indians are committed by a stranger. And adolescents age 14 to 17 were far most likely to be sexually victimized and nearly one in six, that's 16%, was sexually victimized in the past year. These statistics, there are 32 highlighted statistics that we found from February in 2020 that I'll be sharing throughout the evening. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce our host for the evening, Ms. Regeline Gigi Sabat. Hi everyone. First and foremost, Thank you all for being here today and thank you for, to our amazing speakers and our sponsors. I truly appreciate you. My mission for this event is for us to help as many people as we can. It is important now more than ever to raise awareness in regards to sexual assault. For these reasons, this panel has both men and women to teach you more about sexual assault and what sexual assault is because sexual assault needs to end. Sexual assault is any type of sexual contact or behavior that occurs without the consent of the recipient. Now, at the end of this event, we encourage you to sign up for our sexual assault discussion group. And the discussion group, I will put in the chat. Thank you. And now we will go ahead and begin this event.
I'd like to share this poem with all of you. Sexual assault can happen to anyone at any age. Sexual assault can happen at any time. It doesn't matter the life page. Sexual assault happens to men and it happens to women. After an individual is sexually assaulted, it breaks an individual down. It breaks them down and it turns their smile into a frown. Many people go into hiding because they feel as though they would go rather go into hiding instead of fighting. Many individuals who have been sexually assaulted lose trust in others. And they feel as though remaining bottled inside is a must. The pain leaves a scar. The pain a sexually assaulted individual has to endure feels as though they have been ran over by a car over and over and over and over and over and over again. This is because the pain cuts deep. It cuts so deep. However, once the individual who has been sexually assaulted realizes their purpose in this lifetime, they take a quantum leap. This breakthrough causes an individual who has been sexually assaulted to see vividly what is true. Thank you. And I'll turn it back over to Melanie. Although statistics on sexual assault can't even begin to convey the suffering of victims and their families, they can offer a glimpse into the disturbing extent of this issue. 
over 25% of male sexual assault victims will experience their first assault before the age of 10. I'd like to introduce now Matthew Santana. He's the host of Walking in the Light, Domestic Violence and Sexual Assault Advocate. Welcome to the program, Matthew. Thank you, thank you. I wanna say how thankful I am for Gigi and having me on this panel. I'm glad to be speaking um, about, you know, sexual assault because I am a sexual assault and domestic violence advocate. I help others get back to the person they used to be before the abuse, before the assault, to be able to live again, to be able to smile again and let go of that hurt and forgive the people that hurt them and move on with their lives. Because life is only for a moment. You only get one chance at this life so you don't want to waste it you know being hurt and mad at what somebody did to you 10 years ago what somebody did to you a year ago you have to look at yourself and tell yourself that you can make it through that pain through that hurt I've been hurt I've been abused I know what it feel like you know to have those suicidal thoughts and be depressed because somebody hurt me as a child and it kept happening over and over again until my adulthood it messed up my relationships it you know got in the way of I didn't even want people near me I was angry I was hurt so they say hurt people hurt people as a young kid uh, you couldn't even you know if somebody described me as a kid you wouldn't even think that that was me that they was describing so I had to at the age of 15 I looked and was like okay I'm tired of crying I'm tired of sitting in the dark I'm tired of um sitting in the corner, you know, being alone, I had to wake up and realize that, you know, I can be gone at any moment. So I had to go to these people that hurt me and tell them, you know, I forgive you for what you've done. You need to speak to someone and let go of the things that, you know, maybe somebody hurt you. So that's why you did what you did. Um, my scars tell a story. They remind me of a time when my life tried to break me down, but it failed. I kept on moving on. I kept on seeing the light. So I'm on a path to a better journey to help other people that's been through sexual assault and tell them that they can move on. Just take a deep breath, you know, say the positive affirmations and just tell yourself the good things. Don't let what happened to you affect your future. It happened in the past. So let's take that, lock it in a cage and let's forget about it and let's move on. Because let me tell you, your future is much brighter than that darkness, that that cage that you used to be locked away in. You have a better future. You have a purpose. I want you to visualize it. I need you to feel it. And I need you to speak it. You are better you can heal from what hurt you. They, it it might've hurt then, but let me tell you now that you are a better person. You are greater than that person that you used to be. I want you now to take that deep breath, look back in the past and move on, let it go. Because let me tell you that the future holds something much better for you. So I'm, I'm here to just let you know the it's a process to forgive and to heal, but we got to let go of the wants and, oh, I should have did this. You got to make room for the wheels and the cans and change your, you know, 
fixed mindset to a growth mindset. It's time for you to grow. It's time for you to transition to that next part of your life. The future holds something better for you. Once I let go of that hurt, once I forgave and let go of that pain, you know, it was brighter tomorrows from there. And, you know, look at me now, almost 30 years old, and I'm happy, I'm healthy, and I've moved on from that past. I, you know, I'm no longer angry. So I'm able to share my story and go and reach out to other people and let them know that they can make it. That was, you know, just an obstacle or a test in their life. Like, I'm, you know, I'm going to say I'm glad it happened because I wouldn't be the person that I am today. It happened for a reason. And I've touched so many lives, you know, just because that happened to me. And, you know, people always say, I'm so grateful for you. So I'm grateful, you know, that I went through that pain, through that trauma, through that heartache, so I can be able to live my life and help others get back to their path, get back to their purpose and move on. And I'm, you know, just grateful to be a part of this. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you for having me, Gigi. You're welcome. One out of every six American females is a victim of attempted or completed sexual assault. According to the sexual assault facts, one out of every six American women will most probably be the victim of an attempted or completed rape in her lifetime. This ratio has doubled in the last five years. And analysts predict the same to happen over the course of the next half a decade. I'd like to introduce now our second panelist, Erica Castro. She's a teacher at MUSD, domestic violence and sexual assault advocate. Welcome, Erica. You're on mute, Erica. Sorry. Hi, my name is Erica Castro. Um, thank you all for having me. I really appreciate all of you guys taking this opportunity to speak because this continues, this persists because we don't have a voice. Um, and this allows people to find healing, to find hope, and to give people the opportunity to realize that it's not your fault. Whatever happened to you, I am so sorry that that happened to you. But it's your responsibility to find healing and hope. And this is what this provides. So I wanna thank everybody for, for being here and for telling their stories. Because these stories are not easy to tell. Um, I've never spoken about this on this type of platform. Um, I'm a teacher by trade. And the reason that I teach is because if I reach one student and I change his life, I did something. So if somebody out there can hear my story and see that it's not the end, that there's hope, that there's a vision for you, that you can be happy, then that's why I speak. Because for too long, we have carried this pain. I was five years old um, and my mother died of breast cancer. She was only 33. And I was molested by several different people. Um, and it was very difficult because when my mother um, died, I went from being taken care of to neglected. And that neglect um, allowed predators to see me as a victim and to take advantage of me. And I was five years old. My mother had just died. 
And finally, somebody was paying attention to me. I carried that shame. I carried that, that hurt because I, I didn't understand what was happening to me. But all I knew is that somebody paid attention to me, even though afterwards I felt shame and dirty and I felt like I was nothing. Um, and I didn't say anything. You know, this was stuff that you didn't talk about. Um, one of my abusers, um, he managed to abuse me and my four siblings. We ranged from the ages of nine, seven, five, and three. Um, and I think about that. And that happened because they find children that are vulnerable. And nobody ever said anything to my father. My mom had passed away. It wasn't until that abuser asked my father for help that my middle brother finally had the courage to say, no, dad, we cannot help him because he did this to us. Um, I want to warn you as parents about sleepovers. I was sexually molested on a sleepover. Um, you know, we, tr we try to trust and we try to be, you know, kind and, and all of this. I was sexually molested by cousins, you know, because, you know, my, my dad left us with them. And, and the truth is, is that we need to be advocates for our children. We cannot allow them to be in unprotected spaces. Another thing that happened, and this was actually when my mother was alive, we went to visit, we went to visit a friend and um, a family friend. And, you know, the, the parents are there talking and they leave the children. And I was molested by a teenager. Um, and it was like nothing happened. So I really want to urge everybody on this call that it's up to us to be protective. We can't be trusting. We don't know, you know, uh, because of this, I studied and I looked at um, like why this happened. It's because it's a cycle, you know, I'm sure that these people were molested themselves and they just was repeating a cycle. And so for us, we need to protect our kids. You know, if my father had known better, I know he would have done better. And I urge you guys that, you know, being molested by, by adults, it really messes with your relationships. You know, I was chasing what I would call serial cheaters, you know, because that's what was normal to me. Um, I, you know, being, wanting to be loved, wanting to be held, wanting to be paid attention to and then dropped. And that was a pattern that I picked up because I was molested, you know, um, it was like they would pay attention to me and then drop me. Um, and it, it, if anything, I mean, I've gone through a lot of my life, but if anything really formed who I was as a woman, as a human being, was being molested because it affected every aspect of my life. Um, and the worst part, and I want to urge all the, the people out there, if you have a daughter who needs, who this happened to, get her therapy. I always think about how different my life had would have been had I had the therapy that I needed, you know, when I was growing up. Get her the help that she needs. You know, I didn't find help for myself um, until I entered Essanon. Essanon is a group for people who have been affected by sexaholics. I entered that group because I was with the guy who kept cheating on me. I was married to him and he kept cheating on me. When I should have been in that room, because I was sexually molested. I was repeating a pattern. 
I was continuing to live a life um, that I thought was normal to me um, because of what happened to me. And it really, you know, I, I don't want to say that it was my dad's fault because he did the best he could, but it's up to us, all of us who are on this panel, all the people who are listening to protect our children. Okay. We can't be trusting if we say, oh, I'm going to leave my baby with the neighbor next door. He's a teenager. It happens. If that child was molested, he can molest your child. Okay. I don't think that what happened to me was done intentionally to me. It was done out of trusting and not, not being kind of careless. Do you understand? It's, it's, it's not something that a parent plans. You know what I'm saying? So I'm telling you and I'm urging you that you need to go get help. This is something that you can't just put under the rug and pretend it's not going to bother you. Let me tell you something that happened to me. Um, I thought I was fine, right? I never got the help. I entered SNM because of a serial cheater, but I'm like, oh, my molesters, I'm fine. Five years ago, my, my, one of my abusers Facebook requested me. And all of a sudden, my world came crashing down. And all of a sudden, I realized I wasn't healed. Because all of a sudden, I... What is this guy requesting me for after what he did to me? And it, it took me back to very dark places, but it was healthy because I want to tell you that triggers are messages for you to heal. Okay. So it was a trigger that I needed so that I could recognize that I had just kind of dealt with it, but I didn't deal with it. And I'm urging you guys to find therapy, find a group, find help, find church, something, because you cannot continue to put it under the rug. You don't want to be like me waking up at 40 thinking, oh my God, I'm good. Everything's good. And all of a sudden, the guy who abused me, Facebook requested me and, and my world just came crashing down because I didn't realize that it was, I was still carrying the pain. I was still um, holding on to stuff that wasn't healthy for me. And so the last thing I want to say is that the most important relationship that you have is with yourself. And you give yourself that love that you would give a child, your child. Treat yourself like your best friend. You are worthy. Teach yourself the skills to learn and make the best of every difficult situation. You can be happy, I promise you. If you do the inner work, See the beauty in you and build that self-worth and make a decision to heal. I love you. I'm with you. You are not alone. You can find hope. You can find healing. You can find everything that you need to get better. I promise you because I today have that today. And ladies and gentlemen, protect the kids because I got molested without intention. And what I mean by that, it wasn't, my parents didn't know better. But I'm gonna tell you, everybody right here, you know better. You cannot just leave your children with people that you think you trust, not knowing their history. So um, thank you so much for this opportunity. I applaud every woman out here who is speaking on behalf of the show. We are not alone and we have a voice. Thank you. Thank you, Erica. Thank you, Erica.
so moving. So appreciate you. Thank you for sharing that tonight. And our next speaker is Michelle Jewsbury. Melanie, one moment, Michelle. Oh, no problem. Sorry, I don't know what just happened. Um, just wanted to share a quick statistic. It says rape statistics show that less than 20% of rapes are reported. It's estimated that only 19% of rapes completed or attempted are reported annually. This figure runs consistently across the board. The general consensus is that rape is still considered something shameful, hence the victim is reluctant to report it. I wanna introduce our next panelist, Michelle Jewsbury. This is an international philanthropist, speaker, author, and coach who's traveled the world as an advocate for the less fortunate. In August, 2016, Michelle focused her efforts on ending domestic violence. Her desire to help victims of domestic abuse came from her personal experience in a relationship. See, in July of 2017, Michelle, Michelle found Unsilent Services, a 501c3 nonprofit focused on inspiring change in communities around the globe. She does this by encouraging victims to break free and survivors to speak up about domestic violence and sexual assault. She has since completed and published her personal memoir, But I Love Him. Thank you so much, Michelle. Welcome to the panel tonight. Thank you so much, Mani, for that great introduction. And Gigi, I want to thank you for um, allowing me to come on your stage and to speak to your audience and to encourage and uplift and let people know that they're not alone, that this is an un unfortunate injustice that happens from so many people around the globe. And um, it is so important to speak up. So um, a little bit about me. I uh, grew up in North Idaho with a loving mother and father, and I moved around my whole life um, because my daddy was in the military and we relied on our family, my brother and I, and we knew that, um, you know, making friends was difficult because we would move around a lot and uh, we knew that we could just rely on mom and dad. And growing up, I've always wanted um, my, my Prince Charming to come and rescue me, or um, I would always daydream about uh, being in love. I was in love with the idea of love. Well, when I was 16 years old, I begged my mom for a real job. I said, mom, please trade me at the restaurant. So my mom did. So I worked my way up from being a hostess to server, bartender, manager, you name it. And I loved it. And I, I knew that I wanted something more, though. I don't know how many of you guys out there know that you wanted something even more. And at that moment, I decided, well, I'm going to move my happy little butt to Hollywood, California to be a movie star. <laughs> so that's what I did. I packed up my car and drove all the way to Hollywood and things were going really, really well. And at this point, I was in my early 20s and um, my prime. I was uh, producing plays and independent films and you name it. It was it was going well. And then I ended up meeting this blonde hair, blue eyed boy who swept me off my feet. And I thought that this man was going to be the love of my life. And we'll call him Paul. And we started dating roughly January 2012. And in May 2012, my head went through the drywall. 
and I didn't understand that this was the beginning stages of a domestic violence relationship. Now, I ended up staying with Paul for roughly four years. Now, those of you watching on Facebook, um, if you do know me, I actually don't typically tell you this story, but because this is a panel of sexual assault survivors, I think that is important for me to share what happened to me sexually. During those four years, I was abused mentally, physically, sexually, and financially. One time, uh, Paul had drank too much and we were at a hotel in Hollywood. And, you know, Paul enamored me with gifts and flew me around in private planes. And he was a very successful entrepreneur. So we were staying at uh, an exclusive hotel where um, people tend to stay quiet if they hear something. And we were in the room and Paul uh, came into the bathroom and his eyes went black. And at that moment, I knew that I was in trouble. And Paul came at me and uh, literally ripped the clothes off of my body, took the belt out of his pants and threw me on the bed. Now, I share this with you because Paul didn't penetrate me with his genitals. He did with his fingers, right? But I was screaming no the whole time and nobody could hear me. Now, recovering from abuse and the abuse that I experienced for a long time, I didn't admit to myself that that was sexual violence. I didn't admit that that was a form of rape. And going through years and years of therapy afterwards and speaking up against what injustice happened to me, I then understood that it is a form of rape and that it needs to be spoken about because if you are violated any way sexually, it is illegal, it is an injustice, and it is something that we have to work towards, join forces together, hold each other's hands, and recover from. It is sexual abuse, no matter how you are penetrated. Now, the great thing that happened to me is what happened after all of this abuse. So I stayed with Paul, like I said, for four years. And after I escaped that relationship, I literally sat in front of my computer, very similar to what I'm doing now. And I started to document what happened to me because I didn't recognize, I didn't understand, I didn't accept that I was in an abusive relationship. And when I started documenting, it came out in play format. You know, me moving to Hollywood to be a movie star, of course, it came out in a play format. And I ended up writing and performing a 65-minute solo show about my experience with domestic violence and sexual abuse. And what happened next was what was incredible. Because I chose to speak up. I chose to swallow my pride. I chose to seek the help that I needed so many other people started to come up to me and thank me for sharing, which then enabled them to speak up as well. And again, in my life, I decided I have to do something even more. And in 2017, I ended up starting a nonprofit organization called Unsilenced Voices. We help survivors of domestic violence, sexual abuse, and trafficking worldwide. We are in Ghana, Sierra Leone, Rwanda, and we are expanding to the United States to do a domestic violence and sexual abuse awareness tour as soon as the world opens up. So hopefully by summer of 2021. And I, because I spoke up, because I chose to speak, 
so many people have been impacted and helped because of one decision. And I, I always say I'm nobody special. We're all special, right? But if I can do it, you can do it too. You can speak up. You can break free from the cycle and you can turn your lemons into lemonade and create a mission and a project that not only helps you, but helps so many other people on this planet. And then from there, I ended up writing my first book, same title as my play called, But I Love Him. And it's my entire manuscript of what happened to me, my, my memoir. And it goes into a lot of statistics about domestic violence and sexual abuse. And it goes into giving people hope because that's what we need right now is hope. Because a lot of people, like you heard these statistics, like you heard what Melanie said, one in six women experience sexual violence. One in three to four women experience domestic violence. And these are not the statistics for men either. You know, I know statistics for domestic violence, one in 11 men in the United States experience that. These injustices need to be stopped. Well, what I would love to do is actually gift you, the audience, while you're at home, a digital download of the introduction of But I Love Him. And the first person that actually texts this will get the entire ebook. I will send it to you. So all you need to do is pick up your phone and text the word obstacles, O-B-S-T-A-C-L-E-S, -E obstacles, plural, to 26786. Again, it's obstacles to 26786. Now, I know I only have a couple of minutes left. Uh, so if I get that notification in, I can let you know uh, who won the book. If not, then I'll just be, uh, reply via text message. Uh, before I end, I do want to encourage everybody that no matter what happens to you, it doesn't define who you are. You can keep putting one foot in front of the other you can change victimhood to become a victor. And you are the only person that can take charge of your life. Speak up. Reach out for help. I teach and I train and I speak and coach all around the world now. And it is my passion to do so. Because in order for us to break free from our chains, we have to help other people. Now, I, I want to end uh, by saying a 1994 inaugural speech by Nelson Mandela. I'm working on the memorization of this, and I haven't memorized it yet, but it's encouragement. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that frightens us most of all. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented and fabulous. Who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small doesn't serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are born to manifest the glory of God that is within us. And it is not just in some of us, it is in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. And as we are liberated from our fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Thank you, Gigi. Thank you, Melanie. Thank you guys very much for allowing me to share and speak. Thank you, Michelle.
Wow. Thank you so much, Michelle. I think what I took away from that is remember what happens to us does not define us. Thank you so much for that. Approximately 70 women commit suicide every day in the U.S. following the act of sexual violence. Women's sexual assault statistics reveal some extremely disturbing facts. An estimated 70 women commit suicide daily in the U.S. directly as a result of sexual violence. Worryingly, this figure has grown by 2.87% over the last year. These are statistics from February of 2020 before COVID. I'm sure there has been an increase in this with all of the quarantine that we've experienced in the year of 2020. I'd like to introduce our next panelist, Renee Michelle. Renee is an international speaker, author, consultant at Renee Michelle, domestic violence and sexual assault advocate. So proud of you, and I'm so happy that you're on the panel tonight. Welcome. Thank you, Melanie, and thank you all of your amazing ladies and gentlemen that are here joining us on the panel today. And thank you so much, Gigi, once again, for bringing to the light something that needs to be spoken about. It's time to talk. I um, <laughs> found my voice around 17 years ago. And from the moment I started sharing my story, my entire world changed. But not only my world changed, everybody I encountered was touched or moved in some way, shape or form by the fact that another human being was expressing themselves in truth and in fear, but in truth. So at around the age of 10 years old, to share with you a little bit about my story and why I'm here today, I grew up in a very small country town in New South Wales here in Australia, if you can't help but hear the twang in my voice. I apologize <laughs> to all of you. Protect your ears. So growing up in country New South Wales, um, we had a very happy family. I'm the youngest of four girls. So you can imagine what bathroom time was like in our home. It was nightmarish, but it was very general and simple. And the country life, I rode my horse to school. We played in the backyard till the lights came on and knew it was time to run home. We had a very ordinary, simple life. However, at around that age, my father was taken from us. We had a family crisis and my mum became the single parent of five young girls. She did not cope with what was going on in her own life and she sought out alcohol as a way to self-medicate her pain. Unfortunately, she became very, very neglectful. My four older sisters were starting to move away from home. They were quite significantly older than I was. And I was left at home to deal with a emotionally impotent parent. She was going out and meeting men and she was bringing those men home. Now, when she would go to work the next day, they were still in the house. And at the age of 10, the sexual abuse started. At first, I just could not comprehend what was going on. As a child, you cannot understand such things. And we often hear about the fight and flight, but we don't often talk about the freeze response. And the freeze response is exactly what happened to me. I would be so terrified of what was going on and in my childhood mind could not understand why these men were coming into my room. So I would freeze automatically before I even had a chance to think about it. So afterwards, I felt shame. 
I felt confused. I felt afraid because I did not understand why my body could not move. And I would think things like, why didn't you run, Renee? Why didn't you scream, Renee? So I internalized that for so many years. And that was my life until 16 years old. It was repeated molestations at the hands of my, my mother's very drunk boyfriends. And that we spoke about before, cycles and patterns. So I had never had anything healthy role model to me when it came to relationships. I truly thought that this is just what men did. They took from you what they wanted and you had no choice. That was the very essence of me believing I had no voice. So even in relationships later in life, they were always abusive because these were the men that I subconsciously sought out. They were alcoholics. They were serial cheaters, as we heard before. I had zero self-esteem. So for anyone listening to this who, who is struggling and trying to figure out why do I keep choosing a partner that doesn't treat me right? Why do I keep finding myself in a situation where I feel disrespected and dirty? And then you tell yourself, I'm worth nothing. Darling, you are worth everything. But because of what has happened to us, our mental capacity tells us this is my life. This is all there is. And this is all we seek out. We live so far below what God has destined for your life to look like. And until we seek out professional help and others like this amazing panel today that have experienced this for themselves, we believe the lie that we're unwanted that we're unlovable, that we're broken, that we will never have a life that we so desperately crave, one of healthy relationships and intimacy that doesn't terrify us. So in my 20s, I was blessed to give birth to my first beautiful child at 26. That was when it really hit home to me that I needed to heal, that I needed to work on my internal self. I hated myself. I loathed who I was. I repelled at my reflection in the mirror. I had self-harmed. I had attempted suicide multiple times. And I had spent the majority of my adult life addicted to drugs and alcohol. Anything that could numb my pain or make me feel something different to my normal reality. So if I could hide and run away and become this happy, bubbly girl, very, very drunk and intoxicated, that is what I did. Unfortunately, that also put me in very dangerous situations where I could not protect myself. So again, I was abused sexually and physically. And again, the cycle of shame would come the next day, the next week. So I'm here to tell you some very, very important things that you must cling to, even if you don't believe them for yourself right now. You are worthy. You are not what happened to you. You are a human being. You have a right to love and to be loved, to feel safe, to give love. And right now, you can make the decision, no matter what situation you're in, to start seeking people out that will reinstate that to you, reinform you of your worth and your value. You know, I turned my pain into my purpose. And today I'm able to coach and speak. And it's scary sometimes when you reveal your soul. It really is. 
But moment by moment, the healing, it just gets stronger and stronger. The shame gets less and less. And what you see, the moment you start having women and men come up to you going, oh, my gosh, you just told my story. I now have hope that I can get well. I now believe that I, too, can make something of myself. That is why I do what I do today. I know now that I'm able to turn everything that I went through into my greatest joy and my greatest strength. And, you know, I always tell people that I learned how to succeed, not in spite of my past, but because of it. I've been able to turn it into my absolute greatest gift. And I see it now as a blessing. You know, I loved what was said before about we must protect our children. I was a very protective mama bear. <laughs> I wrapped my children up in love and protection and I guarded them because I knew that there were predators out there. And I instilled in them some very, very safe habits. If I can remind you mums and dads out there today, please keep an eye on your children. Remember they are vulnerable and they are little people. And until they have a voice for themselves, you are that voice. Be careful with sleepovers. Be careful who you hand your children off to and always instill in them that they have the right to say, no, I don't want to hug that person. No, I don't want to sit on auntie or uncle's knee. Give them the voice, give them the power and give them the right to know that they are their own people and they too deserve love and to be loved. So thank you so much for being here. And please, please, if you need help, if you need support, like we've heard time and time again, you are not alone. We are here for you. Please reach out and we will help you on your track from pain to purpose. Thank you so much. Thank you, Renee. Renee, battle scars are beautiful, aren't you? Thank you so much. You're so inspiring. Just love you from across the pond, long, far away. <laughs> Thank you so much. An American is sexually assaulted every 93 seconds. Every 93 seconds. Sexual assaults are on the rise throughout the whole of the U.S. And on average, state-by-state state, comparative analysis shows that there are approximately 325,000 566 victims of rape and sexual assault age 12 or older every year, every year. Our next panelist, Julie Christopher, also known as Juju. She is a spiritual guide, entertainer, host, and mystical entrepreneur, contributing writer at Thrive Global and contributing writer at entrepreneur.com and the CEO of BizTuition, XMA header image. Entrepreneur, start, run, and grow your business, entrepreneur.com. Welcome. Do we have Juju? Welcome, Juju. I don't believe she's on right now. We may have to go ahead and move on with the next speaker for now. Oh, oh there's Juju. Is she here? She's there, but she may not be able to hear us right now. 
So we may need to move on to the next speaker for now. We'll keep her there until she's on. All right. Just one moment. Our next speaker is that I have is Grady Taylor. Grady Taylor Hiller. Yes. Fantastic. An introduction here. Grady Taylor, author, motivational speaker, founder, and creator of the Grady Taylor Show, owner of DJ Grady Baby Radio. Grady, welcome to the program tonight. Hope you're on mute still. Okay. Can you hear me now? Oh, perfect. Okay. Um, thank you, ladies, for having me, Gigi. I can't say your name. Um, Melia? I can't say is this, Did I say it right? Melanie, yes. Melanie, Akisha, thank you for having me. And this is a tough uh, subject for me because we wasn't, I wasn't brought up to talk about pain or anything that, that happened. And I was like reluctant to do it. But Gigi, like, go ahead. This, your story can help. So I thought about one of my professors said, it's not about me. It's about somebody else. So hopefully my story can help someone. Um, wow, it won't be long. I was molested by my babysitter at a young age. I can't remember how old I was, but I know it was like in the 70s, like close to the 80s or something like that. And um, it started, um, uh, I think she was an older lady, and it started with touch. And then it went from there and it, it progressed. And um, I think one day, um, it just, she went, I guess, too far where she, you know, tried to make me, you know, do things to her. Um, other things. So one day I, my mom came home and I told my mom that this lady, um, was doing this and I was lucky, you know, blessed that my mom, she believed me and, um, my mom and my, and my aunts, you know, they, you know, you know, took care of everything. And because um, I was in a two-parent home, both parents worked. And um, after that situation, uh, my mom stayed home to watch me and my sister make sure that situation never happened again. And for a while, it, it bothered me. I didn't want to talk to nobody. I didn't want to be around nobody. I just had trust issues with people. And my mom, like, baby, you can't, you know, be like that. You have to block it out and let it go. And um, and. I'm I'm so thankful for TV and comedy because I use comedy to mask my pain, and um, that that and telling myself everything's okay and 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 starting I started to practice blocking things out and pretending that it never happened, and it just I don't know I I didn't it just hit me to the panel came up because I had really blocked it out for all those years and never really told anyone about it. So this is like <laughs> really tough telling the story though, but it's just reflecting on any kind of sound sight or taste. Uh, it, it'll, it'll take me back, but then I have to, you know, retrain myself again. Okay. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. So I, I kind of, <clears throat> I want to say lie to myself, but kind of trick my mind into programming myself that it didn't happen and to move on and to forget about it. But um, 
what I did. I just, you know, I hope if you don't have anybody to talk to, like I didn't, because I, I couldn't go to anybody to talk to. Um, I just covered it up with laughter because la laughter, it, it heals all things for me. And and I, and it got me through. It got me through um, that, that, that situation, that mental situation. And I learned that you can control your mind whenever you catch yourself drifting back to that place of, of um, hurt, pain, and, and you start to doubt yourself, immediately change your thought. Uh, <clears throat> and just focus on something that's something that makes you happy. Um, if you can't find somebody, find something um, to just to distract yourself from it. And I know that, that works for me, you know, but I would suggest somebody, you know, that you get help uh, counseling. And it's not your fault. Don't blame yourself. It's their fault. And 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 don't make that situation uh, uh, a disability so that you can't move forward. Because, you know, you make it a disability, you don't want it to affect your possibility because you can do anything. You can move through anything. And if you can make it through this, you you know, you're a survivor. You can make it through anything. Um, I kind of took some, some notes. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm kind of going kind of fast. But um just just um you know love yourself take care of yourself don't look for nobody to take care of you everything start within you and um and nobody can love you better than you so don't put that in nobody else's hands to do all right um because i tried it and it didn't work looking for somebody to ease that pain and i, I always got let down and now, once I started learning to depend on me and to love me, everything else became easier, you know. So people are going to do things um, the way that they're, they're what's comfortable to them, to them. And people are a creature of habits. So don't let what they do affect you or bother you. Um, just know when something that feels negative, don't take it on. Don't take that into your spirit. Just, you know, talk about it calmly process it, you know, and just move forward, you know, treat it like a storm. Sometimes you get caught in the rain, a bad storm, but just know you'll make it through. You get, you can get through it. You can get through it. Um, okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, this is, this is no, and also just practice forgiveness. Just forgive people for what they do. You're still here. You live another day. And and that, as I would tell everybody, everything would be okay. It would be okay. And that's my time, y'all. Thank you, Grady. Thank you. Grady, thank you so much. You are an overcomer. Powerful story. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for having me. Over. We're going to go ahead and add our master of ceremonies back here now. <laughs> I am back. I don't know what's happening on that. That's okay. Yes, and we do have Juju back here now. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. Over 80% of sexual assaults are committed by an acquaintance. As we've heard in some of these stories, it's frightening. It's frightening. Relatives, teachers, religious leaders, former spouses. Unfortunately, the list of possible attackers is one of the people who will most often very intimate relationships 
with these victims. Statistics on rape indicate that this connection normally results in most rape victims shying away and they don't report it. They don't report it and have emotional issues for the rest of their life. So thank you to everyone that is sharing your story tonight. Juju, I've introduced you. Welcome again as a panelist. We're, we're very glad that you've joined us tonight. Now I did see her come on for a second there. Not sure if it's taking her a moment to hop on. So I do wanna give her a second to come back on. If we need to move on to the next speaker, we can, and when Juju's ready, we can go ahead and have her speak. I understand for some folks, it's their first time sharing their stories. So we will allow you to speak later on if you, if you need to. Okay, Michelle. Um, Melanie, let's go ahead and proceed. Okay. So our next speaker is Regeline Gigi Sabat, our host tonight. First generation Haitian American, two times author, podcast host, life coach, and CEO of Life Service Center of America, LLC. Gigi, thank you so much for your poem. It was beautiful. And welcome, and thank you for sharing your story tonight. Thank you. Thank you, Melanie. Hi, everyone. Today, I'd like to discuss with you all sexual assault, because it, it happened to me at a very early age. I was sexually assaulted by two individuals when I was eight years old. I'll never forget, I had just came back from ballet practice. And then I was sexually assaulted by two individuals and that changed my life forever. And I was never the same, but here's the thing. At that point, after everything happened when I was eight years old, I had a decision to make whether I was going to live out of hate or love. And I chose love because love conquers all. But here's the thing, it wasn't easy growing up because it affected my social relationships and how I socialize with others and also my trust in others tremendously. My best friends to this day, who I have been friends with since sixth grade, that is because they truly took the time to get to know me because again, it wasn't easy for me to allow others in. And now I teach today about the resilient mindset and how you have to bounce back after a major challenge happens in your life, no matter what, and how you are not what happens to you or your circumstances. Because again, after this happened, I could have stayed down, but I bounced back. And I took all the precautions that you could possibly think of in this lifetime to protect myself. And sadly, again, 
as an adult, it happened. I was sexually assaulted. I was taken from a group of individuals that I was with for the, with the company that I work with. I was out with a group of individuals, colleagues, and I was taken by a man and I was sexually assaulted. And I am grateful to be here. There was no telling what he could have done to me at that time. And here's the thing, I continue to teach about taking those precautions in your life because many women and men tend to blame themselves after a major challenge happens to them or difficulty. But we cannot blame ourselves for what happens to us. All we can do is continue to take the precautions to protect ourselves. Too many times people end up in depression or have anxiety or live in fear because of what happens to them. But I'm here to tell you, you have the strength within you to overcome anything that happens to you in this lifetime. So if you're listening to this today, no matter what challenge you are faced with in this lifetime, including being sexually assaulted, don't let anyone take from you what's within you. And that is the strength God has placed in your heart within you. And always remember, you know, Joshua 1, 9 states, haven't I commanded you be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for your Lord, your God is with you wherever you go. And now I'm here to tell you that God is with you wherever you go. You are not alone and to never give up. No matter what happens to you in this lifetime, never give up. Do not stay down. You must maintain a resilient mindset not just a positive mindset. Thank you. Gigi, thank you so much for sharing. It's obvious why you're the leader tonight. We appreciate you so much. Thank you so much, my friend. And 69% of rape victims in the U.S. are women between the ages of 12 and 34. Sexual violence figures from 2019 were significantly higher compared to sexual assault statistics in 2018. The 12 to 34 age bracket has been known to encompass the, the majority of rape victims in the U.S. on an average year. It's not just children. It's not just if you're married happens all the time, every day. We need to be aware. Appreciate all of your stories this evening. Our next panelist is Andrea Rojas, domestic violence and sexual assault advocate. Lakeisha, is she with us? I don't see her. I do not see her as well. Yeah. So we will need to proceed to the next speaker for now. Okay. Our next speaker is Aaron Bear. Aaron, hello, author, speaker, and coach. Welcome. Thank you so much for sharing your story tonight. Thank you so much, Melanie, for being the MC of this event, Gigi, for putting on another incredible panel where you open the floor for people to 
find their voice and be the voice for so many. And Lakeisha, for all the background work that you do, you are truly all amazing badasses. (laughs) And I really want to explain to people that just because we look like we have it all together doesn't mean that we've been shattered into a million pieces inside. I stand here before you as an empowered survivor of domestic violence and sexual assault. I am 38 years old, but my life hasn't always been so put together. And I still have my moments where memories creep up and I feel like that girl that was shattered into a million pieces. I wanna back up to about 12 years ago when I had just completed my master's degree. I was 25 years old and I moved from what I knew to a new adventure. I wanted to spread my wings. I wanted to live the life I thought that I deserved. But I still had a voice inside me that said I wasn't good enough. And I was trying to prove to the world that I was. So I moved from my home to Colorado. I received a dream job position in the golf industry and I had my own place. I had a career and I figured the next best thing was to find a man and live happily ever after. So I planned this event for the job that I had and I met this guy. He was charming, he was good looking, he could say all the right things. I fell for him. I didn't fall in love with him, but I fell for him. So I figured let's start dating and we started to date and we just wanted to be with each other all the time. I never thought that that was a red flag of any sort. I just figured, oh, wow, I finally found someone that really thinks I'm enough or I'm good for him. Well, soon he moved into my apartment quickly and I was standing there and I was like, wait, is this how it's supposed to be? Is this how an adult relationship goes? They move in and without your permission because they love you and they wanna be with you? Well, that's what I accepted because that's what I was told by the monster. Soon after he moved in, I started receiving um, information on how I should act and how I should talk, how I should dress, what I should do, what I should say. That relationship that I would thought was so innocent and started off as so wonderful was, shoo- was soon polluted with violence, domestic violence, mentally, emotionally, physically. It happened over and over again. And I was welcomed with, you know, woken up every morning with roses and I'm sorry, and it'll never happen again. And it kept happening and happening and happening. And then one night on Halloween, which is my least favorite holiday, and you will soon come to realize why. I was thrown against the bed, clothes ripped off of me. My hands were pinned by this man. My face was shoved into the bed and I was being raped. We had had a sexual relationship before, but he had violated my innocence. I said no, and I screamed, and I didn't know what to do. And when you are being raped, you do what you can, and you numb yourself, and you just pray that it'll end. As he penetrated deeper and deeper, I numbed myself more and more and was hoping that it would end, and he he just wouldn't stop. I finally got a hand free. I reached for whatever I could. 
I found something under the bed on the floor and I grabbed it and I threw it behind my head and I hit him in the head and I got smacked. I got thrown off the bed and thrown onto the floor and kicked and beaten. I remained there in the fetal position and I cried until I knew the door was slammed behind him and he left to go do his drinking or whatever it was that he did after he beat me. As soon as I knew I was safe and he was probably passed out drunk on the couch, I got the courage to get up, put on my underwear and my pajamas. And I found the object that I had thrown at him. It was a sleeve of bullets, which told me that I was in more danger than I'd ever, ever thought I could be. Luckily, I still stand here today. I'm alive. That man is no longer in my life. But being raped is a very demoralizing act, a painful act that is a crime committed to you and against you. It is something that you do not deserve. It is something that is hard to live through. It pierces so many areas in your life that you don't even realize the consequences of that man's actions until it comes back. To this day, if anybody grabs my wrist, I flinch. If anybody comes up behind me, I flinch. I'm in a very loving marriage today with a man that has never laid a hand on me, has never taken advantage of me, has never crossed a boundary. But it took going through what I went through, the rape, the assaults, the domestic violence, it took all of that to be the person I am today. I am grateful for all of it. When I wrote my book, From Beaten to Badass, I talked about my experience with domestic violence, sexual assault, and rape. And I thought, naively, I thought that those were the only experiences. And in fact, it brought all of it back when I was healing from the pain that that monster caused so many times. I realized that as a little girl, I was not told that my body was my body. I was not told that I should set boundaries. And I realized that I was sexually assaulted by my sister's best friend's brother at a young age playing house. I realized that I was sexually assaulted from the neighbors of my father's in California. I realized that I was sexually assaulted by a family member at the age of 21. And then I was sexually assaulted again in a Home Depot. Sexual assault does not have to be penetration. Sexual assault is simply something when someone violates your body without your permission. It happens more times than we realize. And when anybody hears the word sexual assault or rape, they think, what did you do to deserve it? Maybe you were in consent and then you changed your mind. That's not how it happens. I'm here to tell you that just because sexual assault shatters you into a million pieces, it doesn't mean you're not whole. It just means you have to find the strength to get back up and understand that it was never your fault. You truly are not defined by your circumstances. We are all here today as evidence to that. You are a badass. I love all of you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Erin. Thank you, Erin. You have an amazing story. So proud to know you. Thank you. Thank you for encouraging everyone.
Oh, the rate of false rape claims in the U.S. is well below the 10% average mark. It says, although false rapes claims do not happen, do happen, I'm sorry, it is important to keep in mind that the majority of rape, rape claims are legitimate as sexual assault statistics reveal. In fact, data collected in 2019 from false rape statistics show that a combined rate of 6.9% of rape claims were false. I'd like to introduce our next panelist, founder of 3P Leads Consulting, Parents Pursuing Purpose, and Mend It with Melanie, domestic violence and sexual assault advocate. Welcome, Melanie Fusilier. Hi, Melanie. Hi, Gigi. Thank you, guys. I'm so grateful to be here. And my prayer is that through all of the stories that you hear tonight, that you will know that you are not alone and that you are loved, you are worthy, and you are wonderfully and fearfully made. So thank you for joining us. Um, thank you to the speakers who are here. Um, so I grew up in a very loving family and I love my family dearly. They're my, my number one joy. And in fact, growing up, we were the type of family that everybody wanted to be like. And um, I've had overall a wonderful life and I now have a family of my own. I have three small children, they're six, five, and three, girl, girl, boy. So please, I always ask people to pray for me because we're just crazy over here. Um, but for so long, I was silenced and I kept a secret that I vowed to never tell anyone. And the reality is that I can't even say when I realized that I was even keeping a secret because to me, this was normalcy. This was a normal thing. This is just how life was. Um, and today I'd like to spend most of my time tonight in my journey after the abuse, um, because when I prayed about it to God and, and he wanted me to share, yes, a little bit of my story, but mostly the journey afterwards and the mending and the healing that happened through that. And so that's what I'd like to share is my story. And my story is one of forgiveness and um, resilience, overcoming, giving grace, finding joy. And as many people have said, finding purpose in your painful past. And so my favorite quote is, if you walk with purpose, you will collide with destiny. And me being here tonight um, is me walking in that purpose and colliding with my destiny. And I would say that's the same for all the speakers. And so I just, um, my hat's off to you for sharing your story. Um, and so again, I just want to say the message I want to share with any survivor is that you are wonderfully and fearfully made and God gave you a voice. So use it. And so the message I want to share with, um, with you as well is that um, to love yourself, because that's what I struggled with. But what I have learned is that sexual assault, as um, we just heard, is defined as any act in which a person intentionally sexually touches another person without that person's consent. And that's exactly what it was for me. It was, um, I was sexually molested. Uh, there was just groping um, and things like that. And my story would also be defined as sexual abuse, I mean, uh, child abuse, because it happened to me when I was a child. And so like Michelle said, it doesn't matter, you know, if how you were penetrated or even if you were penetrated, it, if it was without your consent, then that's a sexual assault. And so my story does in fact line up with sexual assault. And um, 
for me, most of the, the things that happened to me happened to me when I was asleep. And I was gonna spend some time on talking to you about the different trauma responses, but Renee did a wonderful job. And so whether you fight, whether you flee, whether you freeze, whether you fawn, um, for me, it was freezing and acting like I was asleep. And then just things would just happen. My eyes were always closed and I just acted like I was asleep. And um, I don't know. So I, what I wanna say to that is that no matter how you reacted, again, it's not your fault. And how Satan, the evil one who comes to kill, steal and destroy, what he tries to tell us as victims is that the way we handled it was wrong. And he tries to keep us feeling guilty and shameful about what happened to us. And, and that's, you know, what I have seen and in my experience, what, the, what keeps a victim sometimes in that victim mentality. Um, the evil one uses fear and shame and guilt and rejection. Those are all the schemes that I have seen him try to use, again, to keep us a victim and to keep us silent. And so again, I want to say thank you to the speakers for telling their stories tonight. Erica, I want to say to you, I, I appreciate all the speakers, but I know Erica, you have worked, this was your first time and you were a little nervous about it, but I related to your story so much and I'm so proud of you because um, it's, it's funny because your name is Erica and I can't tell my story without mentioning my hero of my story, which is my sister. I'm sorry. My sister is, my, I always get choked up when I talk about her, but she is my hero because she had the courage to speak up and she saved my life. And that's what I want to say to you. If you are going through this, if you can find the courage, our, our family verses, be strong and courageous because God is with you wherever you go. And because my sister had the courage to speak up, she saved my life. And that's what you can do for people if you speak up. You can save not only your life, but the lives of other people. And so I want to jump for a second to um, another part of my story in the mini. Sorry, let me get a drink. But I had this unusual experience. Um, and it happened in 2007. I started to lose all of my hair to alopecia. And alopecia is an autoimmune deficiency. Well, this was a pain that I was having because I was looking to God and I was like, what is going on? I don't know what's happening here. And um, so what that did for me, it was a signal, okay? And that's what happens. Our body gives us a pain sometimes to signal something is wrong, right? And it was a signal to me that there was something going on with me that I needed to deal with. And actually the abuse was a signal to, to me as a family member, that there was something going on in our family that needed to be dealt with, that didn't need to be shoved under the rug anymore. It needed to be brought to the light so it could lose its power. And so when I lost my hair to alopecia, it got me searching with God of why this was happening to me. And so he took me on this journey of freedom. And he, um, my mother-in-law, she had a thyroid problem, which is an autoimmune deficiency also. Long story short, she took this to... Um, her diagnosis to a healing ministry that's been established for over 30 years. And they gave her some spiritual roots of what the cause was for that. And so I was like, okay, well, I want to know what maybe the spiritual root causes of, the, of my alopecia was. And what they told me were bitterness, abuse, unforgiveness, and um, self, 
lack of self-love. And at first I didn't agree with them because I thought I had forgiven my abuser. But what I realized is that I gave lip service to that. And um, it wasn't until I spent time with the Lord and, and asked for his strength to help me to forgive uh, my abuser that I literally felt the weight being lifted off of me and the burden was gone. And so what I want to say to you also is that if you are holding unforgiveness on, on to hold forgive, unforgiveness, it's like drinking the poison yourself, hoping the other person dies. And that's exactly what I did for so long. And I'm so grateful that I lost my hair because it signaled to me, it was a pain that signaled to me that something was wrong that I needed to deal with. And that was my unforgiveness to my abuser. And when I was able to forgive him, not only was the weight lifted, but I was able to experience joy again and, and, and know what the good things of life were. And so I skipped around in my notes a little bit. I'm sorry. Excuse me. Because um, I know I'm running out of time. But it says in Revelation that it's in Revelation 12, 11, And they overcame him, the accuser of our brethren or Satan that comes to accuse us and condemn us. That's what Satan does by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony, and they love not their lives unto death. And so remember I mentioned earlier that Satan tries to lie to us as victims and tell us that we need to feel guilty and we need to feel shame and that we are not worthy. Well, when you know the truth about what the blood of Christ accomplishes for you, you cannot be pushed around by Satan. And just like when Satan tries to tempt, tried to tempt Jesus in the wilderness, all Christ did was put the word in his mouth and spoke the truth. And so all of you today are speaking the truth and you're looking Satan in the eye and you're saying not today, Satan, because he is not going to condemn you and hold you in silence any longer. I'm so proud of all these speakers. And so when Satan tries to lie to you and tell you that God is not pleased with you, all you have to do is put that word in, in your testimony, use your voice and let Satan have it. And say something like this in Revelation 1.5. It says that my sins have been washed by the blood of Christ. So I now stand before God cleansed and justified. Therefore, God is pleased with me. And he is. Don't believe the lies that he's not. And when you start talking to Satan like this, he does not like it. And when he sees you can't, he can't lie to you and he can't condemn you any longer, he will do the very same thing he did when he tried to tempt Jesus and he failed. And he'll just flee. He'll flee and you will experience that purity and peace and freedom. And remember, we overcame Satan by the blood of the lamb because the blood cleanses us. It makes us pure from all of our sin. And therefore, it takes away Satan's power again to accuse us and condemn us before God. And it gives us that peace. And that's what I've felt ever since then. And when we make this our truth of our testimony, we will always stand victorious over Satan. And there is nothing he can do about it. And you will then be able to walk with purpose and collide with destiny. Thank you so much for having me here to share my story. Thank you, Melanie. Thank you so much. My heart, you have my heart. <laughs> Thank you for sharing tonight. Girls and women between the ages of 16 and 19 are four times more likely than girls and women in other age groups to be assaulted or raped. Results gathered from numerous studies show that campus sexual assault statistics have found patterns on the local the locale of victims. In general, 46% of sexual assault victims were sleeping or performing other activities at home when they were victimized. Nearly 
were traveling to and from school or work, shopping or running errands. Some 19% were working when they were assaulted, 9% were attending school, and 19% were doing some other activity. It happens every day all around us. Our next panelist, we're bringing back Juju. Julie Christopher is also known as Juju. Spiritual guide, entertainer, host, and mystical entrepreneur, contributing writer at Thrive Global, contributing writer at entrepreneur.com, and the CEO of Biz Tuition, XMA Header Image. Entrepreneur, start, run, and grow your business. Entrepreneur.com. Welcome, Juju. <laughs> Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. I, I hear you and I see you in, in a big, big way. You're all so bright and so exceptional. And thank you for leading the way, Gigi. Thank you for all of you here in the panel to leading the way because it gives me the strength to share my story and to empower others because that's what it's all about. It's about bringing awareness and becoming a giant and really uh, empowering with the power within ourselves. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to be as brief as I can because my story can be like a movie and I don't want you to have to go through, through this movie with me. It's a very long movie, but um, I believe that it started in the womb. And as I share my story, you understand the womb of the mother, there is a sacredness in the womb of the mother. And it's, it, it, when you're born, you're also born with the, um, or calibrated, if you will, with, with what the mother hones into herself. And my mother was very uh, broken. She actually feels like I raised my mother. You know, I, I feel like I raised my single mother. And I was, I brought, I was brought up with um, a, a twin sister in a very little town in the south of France. And the sexual assault started very long ago. So by the age of 12, 12 years old, I already had an aspect of what was that about. And it was someone in my family that was my uncle. And my uncle was, it was a god to everybody in my family. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, whenever he came around, it was, oh, he's here, you know? And um, so it started very, very, at that age, you don't know what's right, what's wrong. You, you, you don't know because I didn't have a role model. I didn't have a father. I didn't know what it looks like to have a, a relationship with a man. And so I'm sharing this because it planted the seed for many, many years of attracted, uh, attracting the, the, the wrong kind of situation. And so I was programmed that basically you have to obey to men, you know, and, and the sexual assault started, like I said, at 12 years old. And by the age of 15, it became really, really bad because the, the, the notion that was happening to me, numbed me, you know, this man came around and I, I never really speak about this, so it, it's very difficult for me, and I apologize. I'm trying to do the best that I can. But you, you become this story that is actually normal that's happening. So you kind of go on thinking that's supposed to be this way. You know what I'm saying? It, and 
until you, re you realize it's not. And so when I told my mother what was happening with those sexual assault with my uncle, she looked at me straight in the eyes and she said to me just like that, well, Juju, it's your fault. It's your fault that happened. It's the way you dress. It's the way you look. It's the way. So imagine what I can do to somebody's genetic core and how you wrapped up all of your life around that. That is your fault. My background is uh, as an entertainer. By the age of seven, I was doing stage, movie, and, and theater, music, and why not? So I already was in the, in the world that was, you know, you, you were out there. You, you really put yourself out there. And when I moved to Paris for my music career, I worked for television. In the big king kahuna of television, uh, one of the very, very big, you know, title guy, the honor of the major network TV. I worked for them, for him. But what happened is that he was also um, a head, the head of a, um, a group of human trafficking, drug, prostitution. So those men were preying, you know, uh, with artists or young person, men and women. And, and so if you've seen the movie Taken, Anyone have seen the movie Taken? Yes. It's pretty scary, right? So that's yes. a little bit of my story. I was actually taken, blindfolded, and drugged, and um, on the way to being sold to the Arabic countries. So I passed the details because... You were put into a room with other women, um, no clothes, where things being done to you that you have to numb yourself. You, you, you have to. There is no other way to survive. You, you lock yourself into your mind. And, and I escaped. It was really a truly miracle that I did escape. And I went to the police station and started telling the police about this man and, and what, what it is about. So it was a really, really big affair uh, back home uh, in the newspaper and why not. But I, I'm, I'm healed, obviously. We're, we're healing and we we'll keep on healing. But my, my, what I want to give today is that this is more of a story of buoyancy and courage that the reason that I healed is because I took action to started helping other people. And that's what healed me. So I went through the, um, have you heard of the Sojourner Center? The yeah. Sojourner Center, uh, shelter for men and women. And so I started to volunteer and, uh, and that's really helped me to recover and to start sharing my story. So, I mean, I think all the panelists have shared so many common commonality that we're all going through. And um, if one thing I need to say is that you need to trust life and feel that you are supported because you are. And um, I mean, that's, that's just the story. I mean, I could, I could go on and on <clears throat> about the details, but it's, it's just what it is. I'm not so emotional about it anymore. 
Um, I just see it for what it is. You have to have the courage to flip the script and use it to, you know, fulfill your purpose and your destiny. There is an inner voice that everyone needs to tap into. I have two daughters today and this intuition that um, is your asset of survival. That's something that I'm teaching my children and, and obviously in my work today, but this inner voice, call it God, call it the truth, you know, but we must listen to this inner voice in order to, to realize the self and um, turn to God, turn to spirituality, you know, you are much more than the story. You're not the experience. You're the experiencer. Just uh, uh, share your story. It's very, very powerful. Thank you for all having me. Thank you, Juju. Juju, thank you so much. Bringing light to things that we have no idea what you went through. <laughs> thank but you, sweetheart. You. And thank you so much for sharing. You're welcome. So powerful. Over 1.5 million women were raped by an intimate partner. Statistics of sexual harassment from the Department of Justice suggest that over 1.5 million and 834,700 men are raped and physically assaulted annually by an intimate partner in the United States. The staggering figure is both disheartening and unnerving. Focus groups are all around the country for help. If you have pain, please find someone to help you. Our next panelist, Nadia Manji, master coach, international speaker, author, trainer, consultant, and sexual assault advocate. Welcome, Nadia. I hope you're on mute. You're muted. Can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. Thank you, Reggie. Thank you, Melanie. Thank you for this great event. And as I say that behind every courageous person, there is a pain, there's a weakness that they break, they broke through. And that's when they show up. Because then you're breaking through all your vulnerabilities and showing up with the courage. And for me, it's the same thing today. It took a lot of courage to show up here. And I am really happy and congratulating everyone who is here and sharing their story. Without this opportunity, I wouldn't have been here. Coming back to my story, and I know we have this limited time, so I just want to share that I come from a background where I grew up that when you don't speak or anything happens to you, you stay quiet. You are a good girl. The society, the background where I grew up, you have to be a tolerant person. I was wired to be tolerant. Whatever happens to you, you must stay quiet. I grew up in Pakistan and there are many women like me who may be inappropriately touched by many people or many men who could be the prominent members of the family, but you don't speak because when you speak, it's your fault. As Juju said, it's your fault. And I wanted to break through this, this conditioning. And when I got married, I moved to Africa, Kenya. I lived, I helped, I'm a healer, coach. I help people. And I was going through and advocating that, the standing up for yourself. 
and rewire your conditioning. You don't have to be the way you are. And in that process, in 2012, living in Kenya for many years, I went through that event of my life which changed, which froze me. And the experience of sexual assault, what I went through in that event, that broke me down. It took me so much courage today to talk about it because all I did was just hiding. There was one night that we were all sleeping and the robbers broke in our house. They had guns with them. It was a scary night, the scariest night, night of my life. Someone comes up, puts the gun on my head and tells me, come with me. Taking away everything that you have and you're ready to give away everything, ties my hand, covers my face and expects me to say nothing. I was back to the same belief of conditioning. Stay quiet because there's a gun which is gonna shoot your husband and your children. What do you do in that situation? At that time, I felt the fear and faith fighting with each other. And I don't know, I'm sure many of us and you all have gone through that, where your faith is challenged. Fear that I want this to end and faith that I hope that my children and my husband are safe. Allowing yourself and giving yourself to that moment takes a lot of courage. It doesn't end there because I was wired and conditioned to stay quiet. Just stay quiet because that's the way of a strong woman. Night passed, they left, but I was broken. I only shared this with my husband because I was put in the dark room, hand covered, face covered. Just give in. That's the way to go about it. Being a coach, being a healer, you're helping so many people. You're ashamed of what has happened to you. Because if you'll say no one will respect you, no one will come to you, no one will think you can help them because you yourself have gone through so much. Thousands of questions went by my mind in that one night. Immediately after that, he went to be moved to Canada. I would never forget that, 2012, six years, every night I cried. Every time I went for a shower, I thought of that event. Why did this happen to me? Why? When helping so many people, why did this happen to me? But there was only one hope, just looking at my children and my husband, that they are safe. I didn't take professional help. Again, courage. The courage was the word which kept coming. 2018, it had reached its peak. And that time, I went through a very life-changing incident again, when I almost died. I almost died in an accident. And I was alive with that head-on car accident. I couldn't believe I was alive. I again leaped frog and I again said, I don't want to feel anything because I just have to tolerate. But at that moment, something shifted in me that if not now, then when? When are you going to speak and take the courage to show up for yourself because you're showing off to everybody how strong you are? And then I reached out for professional help and wrote my story and wrote a book, Searching for Balance, because my balance was shattered. 
every time I stood up for everybody, every time I stood up for my clients, for my family, for people I loved, but I never took care of myself. So today was the time to have the courage. Leadership is not about, I coach people leadership. I coach people emotional intelligence, resilience, bouncing back. It's not about perfection. Leadership is not about perfection. To me, now leadership is about living with imperfection and then doing and living with grace and showing people that how you can accept what has happened to you. None of us were wrong or at fault that this happened to us. It happened because there's a reason so we can help people who can evolve. And now I see that as a gift with my, with my coaching, with my healing, with the people I work with. That the girl who was wired to be tolerant, tolerant does not mean you people please and take any nuisance that comes your way. Tolerance does make you smooth, strong and makes you very resilient but it also teaches you to stand up for yourself, show up for yourself. So I am so grateful for being here and listening to all your stories. And you should be also proud of yourself for making it till here. You are the real leaders of your life. You are the real hero of your life. And courage is one thing that we all have a right to. All the stories today show us that we have to have courage in us to move forward. Life is not about only perfection. And when you go through the pain, when you have to choose between your loved one and between something that you is so precious to you, because the most precious thing we own is our body. The only thing which we can, it's mine, is our body. The money can go, things can go, people can go. The only thing you own is your body. And when someone violates that, that is the place where you rise above. It's like a matrix breaking into pieces and you have to recollect those pieces again to rebuild yourself. And that is the real bounce back and resilience that you share with the world. And today I had the courage. I was shaking in the afternoon that I've never talked about it. The only person I've talked to was my husband. And then when I took professional help, going in front of the world and ex experiencing shame, and I will say that, that there's nothing about shame or blame. It's about claim your story, claim your truth. Once you can display that, that's when you will grow and break through. And that's the real breakthrough of courage. When you can break through your weakness, everybody has pain. And from that pain, you find and discover your purpose. And the true passion is not about success. Success is not about money. Success is not about having to have a big name up, out there. Success is about living life when it screws up and you say, yes, I screw you back. Because you can live your life with your purpose, with your true potential, because you're worth it. You deserve it. And that's my message today. For everyone, and I help everyone with my coaching for personal transformation, that the transformation I went through with mental, physical, emotional, spiritual, financial, every time, whatever challenges I have gone through, it's about the transformation. You're transforming every minute. You're alive and you have a purpose. So don't allow yourself to hide behind the shame or blame. Just claim your story and stand up and speak about it. Many women from my culture and society, I wish and I hope I can be the voice for them that get up and talk about it so you can live life and you don't have to suffer like me six years every night crying. When will I get justice? The justice came when I stood up and spoke my truth. And today, I'm so grateful to Gigi and this platform for giving me this opportunity to share my pain and 
I believe that this is true healing for me. This is the real step of healing that I can move forward in world and show many women or men like me that you can also survive if I can. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you, Nadia. Nadia, thank you so much for stepping into your purpose. You're amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for this opportunity. You're welcome. Approximately 16% of males in juvenile prisons have been sexually abused. In 2019, the study by the U.S. Center for Disease Control examined women rape statistics in juvenile prisons for incidents and frequency of sexual violence. The results showed that 16% of males had been victims of se sexual abuse, whereas over 60% of males in these facilities had encountered the threat of sexual violence. I say this because it isn't just about females. It is about males. And we remember everyone that has been abused, all parties. I'd like to introduce our next panelist. Rosalind Willis is a stroke, domestic violence, and sexual assault survivor and advocate. Dr. Willis has a passion to serve and reach the lost at any cost. She's the co-founder of TNR Birthing Books Publishing, LLC. Dr. Willis is an international public speaker and published author. Welcome and thank you for all you do. Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Gigi, for having me. Uh, thank you for allowing me to tell my story. Thank you, Lakeisha. Thank you, Miss Melanie. Thank y'all all for um, what you're doing. Um, and I want to say to all of the people that have come before me and the ones that will come after me to tell their story, that I'm proud of you. We survived. We made it. Uh, no matter what the enemy tried to do to stop us, to take us out, to try to kill us, uh, we're still here. And not only are we still here, but we're still here for a purpose and a destiny. We have things that God has placed within us that no one but us can push out. We have fingertips that no one else in this world has. We're unique. We're authentic. So I want to share my story. Um, you know, as I was listening to everyone tell their stories of survival, and of what they went through, you know, um, I, I sit here and I just went to going back on just, you know, the, the earliest time that I remembered um, sexual assault beginning in my life um, was when I was around seven to eight years old. And, um, you know, to the parents that are out, you know, listening right now, a lot of times we trust everybody around our kids. You know, we think because we have a good relationship with them, they're our friend, that, you know, they won't cross the lines. And then we we open up and we trust them, you know. And so I was in a, in a place where, you know, my mom and dad had friends that they trusted, you know, around us. And they they really trusted them, you know. And I, and I know my parents was awesome parents, you know. So, you know, a lot of times we don't tell our stories because we don't want to hurt nobody's feelings. You know what I'm saying? We don't want to, we don't want to say, you know, well, we don't want parents to think that they weren't good or whatever ever it may be. But for anyone out there that is a, a, a young, young kid that's going through it or a teenager, uh, a, an adult, tell someone. It is so important. Trust someone and tell them what you're going through. 
You know, I didn't say anything. I didn't tell anybody because I was afraid from the time I was a little girl all the way up into teenage years. And so I want to share one of my stories um, of overcoming, you know, sexual assault and abuse. So my situation, um, again, we had a, a person that was coming around the family. And when he first met me, he started off, um, at, you know, looking back, I know that he was, what is the word, grooming me, right, for, for sex. You know, um, a lot of times you have the predator or the person, they come in and they come around and they start grooming. They start doing little small things that no one can identify that something is happening sexually, okay? And it led to more and more aggressive things. So um, this individual got inside my head. I mean, he was very, very cunning and I listened to him. I listened to him. And so at um, 17 years old, my dad had had a... Hey, heart attack. And it's, it's, you know, it's still hard to talk about these things because my dad, you know, I lost him August 25th of last year. And I was a daddy's girl. He's about, he was my protector and all of those things. And even though he was very protective and my mom was protective, they didn't protect me from this predator. And I don't fault them. For a long time, I faulted myself. Somebody out there listening, you may be in that place where you beat yourself up. You may feel like you did something that deserve, that made you deserve what you went through. The devil is a lie. You didn't deserve that. You, the person that hurt you, there's something wrong with them, that they need help, okay? Because there's a cycle of abuse, and I'm pretty sure someone hurt them too. But that's not your responsibility at this time. Your responsibility is to make sure you're okay. To, your responsibility is to make sure that you don't repeat the cycle of abuse in your own family or in your, with your own children or grandchildren or whatever. So as I went through these things, you know, um, in the, in, with the situation, this gentleman convinced me at 17 to run away because my dad had had a massive heart attack and I was worried about him dying. And, you know, I was in a place where I wanted to escape. I just wanted to get away. And so I, he convinced me, he said, hey, he took me to this place, like a little shack. And he said, just stay right here. I'm going to go back because I left a letter. Like he told me what to write. I left a letter on my parents' bed. He took me to a little place and left me there. And I'm scared. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, I'm thinking about all these things. He went back to pretend to look for me with the family because everybody's looking for me. And so I see the other speakers, so I know my time is, is winding up. Um, so I went on and and um, he, he went and pretended to look for me. And then he came back and he picked me up. And we're getting ready to go out of town. And my uncle sees him and, and starts to flag him down. So he tells me, get down, get down, get down. So I have to get down so he won't see me. But I could hear my uncle. I remember hearing the worry. You know, and I'm crying like I, I want to change my mind. But now I'm too far gone. This man's a lot older than me. I was scared. And I ended up going to the, the city that was, um, I think it was like was an hour and a half, two hours from where, where we were at. And I was uh, blindfolded. I was um, tied up. And a lot of sexual things was done to me. His mindset thought he was going to have someone, you know, as a sex uh, slave or whatever. Um, but the grace of God, uh, my parents came two days 
you know, later. Now I went through a lot of things before those two days came, but I thank God that all of those things that I went through, just like everything that you've been through, God used it and it made passion. Everybody's been talking about your purpose, your pain, your purpose. I believe that all of the pain I went through pushed my purpose, just like a woman in birth. When she's going through pain, the pain of the contractions pushes the baby through. So I want to tell anybody out there that's listening, everything you went through, it did not destroy you. It made you better, even though it was bad stuff. It was mess, but it's giving you a dynamic message. And come off mute and tell your story. As long as you got a pulse, you got a purpose. God bless you. Thank you, Rosalyn. Thank you. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Amen. One powerful woman. Glory to God. All glory to God. Thank you so much for your story. Power in your pain. Power in your pain. I hope as you're listening, you're journaling, you're going to go back and listen to this for the replays. This is amazing. These women and men, the courage to come forward tonight. The majority, 90% of rape victims are female. These are findings from the Department of Justice. Findings from sexual assault reporting statistics have unsurprisingly revealed that women make up a vast majority of rape victims. This figure reflects rape statistics U.S. and includes adult victims, but excludes juvenile victims, who, if included, would total 82% of all rape victims. I'd like to introduce our next panelist, domestic violence and sexual assault advocate, Andrea Rojas. Thank you for joining and welcome. Thank you, glad to be here um, with all you powerful um, ladies and gentlemen. Um, yeah, so um, as you said, uh, thanks for the introduction. Um, I was sexually abused when I was started at seven years old. Um, similar story to you, um, I was, molested first by my aunt's boyfriend at the time and that happened for about a year he started molesting me he started you know they kind of groom you um he started paying a lot of attention to me playing with me tickling and he said you know come ride on my lap play horsey and then he started to touch my private parts and from that moment on I just froze like my whole world just kind of shattered in a second um and every time, you know, my aunt would, my mother would drop me off to babysit, I would pray to God that it would have happened. But of course, every week it would happen again. And then it stopped for about a year. I think he left. Um, but then it happened again, but with my aunt's, my godmother's husband. Um, and that was more severe because um, it was also weekly. Um, you know, my parents, they would work hard and you know, drop me off and, um, or she would pick me up from school and I would be there. So from seven to about 10, about four years, I'd suffer, you know, sexual abuse, molestation. Um, he tried to kiss me, he tried to, um, I think one time he tried to penetrate me and this was at a party in the same house, like a new year's Eve or Christmas Eve, you know, that would have a lot of parties in, in the bedroom, like, with the lights off and everything. I remember so clearly and uh, with all the coats and everything and everybody, you know, dancing, music, partying next door. And I was being like pretty much raped. 
at you know nine years old by this 50 year old so it was very um you know I would pray to God I would cry every night in my room in silence and in secret and pray please stop stop so it finally stopped when um I was 10 it was a summer and this was in New York City where I'm from and um we all went out as a family to the beach and he tried to touch me um you know in my private part in the ocean and then I kind of like just went like this and um you know kind of put my back towards him and ever since that he stopped and he never touched me ever again so um so it really greatly affected me um mentally emotionally psychologically I felt like you know what I'm just gonna not tell anyone because I, I was terrified of my mother I thought she was very strict and um, I said, well, you know, let me just forget about it and then do good in school. So I became an overachiever. I was like a type A personality, did everything great. I was a perfect daughter, you know, cleaned the house, everything. And then at 16, I got hurt in the school and I went to the nurse. It was a questionnaire. Have you been ever sexually abused? And then this all with the memories flashback because I buried it. Um, so long story short, I started, I talked to my guidance counselor. I didn't tell my mother. I went to therapy, but I got into a depression and I flunked out of school. I didn't graduate on time. I went to college, got kicked out after two years. I was going into a downward spiral. Um, I started working and then I started, you know, going into dating men and going into a sex addiction. And I wanted my power back. I wanted my control back. And I, I thought at the time, this is the only way I'm gonna get my power if I have control over men and hurt them like they hurt me. So I did that for several years until I was 24. And then I had a relationship that didn't work out and then tried to commit suicide a few times. 2006 was the last time a psychiatrist actually helped me on the phone. And um, after that, I got out of depression, um, started working and then I met my now ex-husband who at the time I fell in love, you know, I thought he was a good person, but um, he was very abusive and it became very violent, the whole marriage, seven years, um, mentally, emotionally, sexually abusive, violent, physically. And then I finally left um, uh, four years ago, I left New York and I came to Florida with my daughter who's now 10 and we're thriving, we're doing good. But throughout the years, even before my marriage, I've been getting therapy and group therapy and reading a lot of books on um, how to survive sexual abuse and all that PTSD. And I just wanted to tell you, um, anyone that's listening around who was in it, um, that there is help. Um, there are tools that you can do to overcome uh, sexual abuse and all the pain that's inside you. Um, it doesn't have, it's temporary. Like I thought my feelings were that's it, uh, you know, I'm gonna feel like this forever. And um, it just made me stronger. And, um, you know, a, a lot that's helped me is the therapy is, is really helped me a lot. Um, I went back and forth, uh, journaling, writing. Writing is good because you write out your feelings. Yoga is very important and, uh, you know, fitness, walking and um, meditation also. And also connecting, which I've done the last year or so, connecting with ladies um, or people like you who in the groups who have, you know, kind of pushed me to talk and use my voice. And um, my thing is I was also, I was so silent for so long and my self-esteem self-worth was like zero. 
And now I feel it's risen up. And I feel like the more I talk, the more I use my voice, um, that is my weapon, right? That God gave me. So I feel like God is using my voice is in with me every day to speak out. And, um, you know, this is a crime. <laughs> this is not to be taken lightly. You know, these uh, abusers have to be punished and there has to be an example. We have to do prevention and save our children. Um, but I, I feel like um, using my voice is crucial and I'm happy to, to be here. Thank you. Thank you, Andrea. Thank you, Andrea. You're a testimony, especially to your daughter. Proud of you for everything that you've overcome. Thank you. People with disabilities are twice as likely to be victims of rape and sexual assault as those without disabilities. Both males and females with disabilities experienced higher rates of victimization than able-bodied male and females. Surprisingly, rape statistics in the U.S. show that those with a type of cognitive functioning disability were at a higher risk of violent victimization than those with any other type of disability. Our next panelist, Michelle Mraz, is a survivor of multiple life challenges to include sexual assault, a traumatic brain injury, and her current battle with breast cancer. She guides her clients to recognize the innate gifts within them, to stop apologizing for what they are not and step into what they truly are. She accomplishes this through one-on-one -on -one and group coaching, training events, keynote talks, and her books and podcast, and the Mental Shift television show. Welcome to the panel, Miss Michelle Moraz. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I think best in song, so. Do you know where you're going to? Do you like the things that life is showing you? Where are you going to? Do you know? Growing up, I was always told that, from my father, that women were meant to be used by men. I was always told that I was short, fat, and ugly, and that the only reason I was on this planet was for the sexual pleasure of men. And I watched my father womanize and do whatever he wanted to for years and years and years. And so I remember telling my mother at one point, I don't want to be a woman. I don't want this. And that made me, as through my teenage years, I really had no attraction to men. I had no attraction to anyone. And I think it was because I didn't want to be who I was. Now, let's fast forward. I go to college and it's my senior year. I'm an engineering student at the University of Nebraska. And I'm working four jobs to keep myself afloat. Why? Because my father didn't believe that women should go to school because we're supposed to be barefoot and pregnant. And I remember him saying, you're smart, but good luck with that. The world opens up for beautiful people and girl, you ain't that. So here I am going to college and working my butt off to stay in school, four jobs, keeping it all going. And he had kicked me out at 16. So I'm one of the only young teenagers that have my own apartment. And I'm working at a restaurant and all the kids are like, hey, let's go to your house. You've got a place to hang out. I'm like, okay, let's, let's come out and we'll hang out in my place. We'll play, you know, Pictionary. And so we're playing Pictionary at my apartment. 
Someone invited the new boy. I had not met him yet, but he came and he played Pictionary with us. And I remember telling everyone, you need to leave early because I have four jobs and my first job starts at 7 a.m. So you all need to be gone by midnight. Okay, they're all gonna be gone at midnight. At midnight, everyone's gone. And then I get a knock doo, 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 on the door. I said, what do you want? And I'm looking through the peephole. He says, hey, it's the new guy. I left my coat in your closet. Open my closet. There's no coat. I don't see it. He says, no, it's way up top. And I step back to look at the top and I, sure enough, there's a coat up there and I can't reach it because I'm a poor college student. I don't only have furniture. I have a couch that's a bed. That's about it. So I open the door. Biggest mistake of my life. He jumps over my token couch and sits there and I'm watching this TV show, you know, bad boys, bad boys, what you gonna do? And he says, what would you do if you saw me on that show? Well, I'm a smart girl. I looked at him and I said, I'd act like I didn't see you on that show. And he says, damn right you would. And from his coat, he pulls out a gun and he guides me back to sit next to him where he proceeded to rape me unmercifully with the gun. And then he had me do many, many, many things to him that a young virgin like me did not know what it was for hours. When he was done, I, I, was, I was crying. I was telling, you know, God, just stop him. Please stop him. Stop him, God, stop him. God didn't stop him. And he laughed at me and he said, <laughs> You're calling to a God who doesn't listen. He isn't, plus I didn't touch you. I didn't touch you. He didn't. He made me touch him. And then he used the gun to penetrate me. So when he finally leaves, I crawl to, when, to my wall. And I'm 52 years old now. This was when I was 18. So I'm 52 years old now. At 17, we didn't have cell phones. So I had to crawl to my wall and crawl my way up, bleeding to my phone and I called 911. Help me, I've been raped. We don't have time for your BS, click. I fall to the floor and I come back up. Help me, I've been raped. Do you have any proof? Did he leave anything on you? Are you broken? Did he breathe? Are you, do you have bruises? I said, I, I, I don't know, I, I, I don't think so because he raped me with the gun. We don't have time for you and your he said, she said crap. And they hung up on me again. So I went to the bathroom and I took out the comet and I scrubbed myself with an SOS pad to get his stench off of me from head to toe. But I'm a college student, I had to work. So I cleaned myself up and I went to work and I got into the office and as I'm walking through the door, I felt this comforting place. It's, it's where I work. And I said to my boss, help me. I've been raped. And she said, not hearing me. How I told them not to hire you stupid teenagers. What were you doing? Partying all night? No, I hadn't. I went it through the entire day and I went home and I said, mom, help me. I've been raped. And she said, <laughs> you'd be so lucky that any man would love you enough to rape you. I didn't know what to do. I mean, people I trusted, adults that I thought I was supposed to be able to go to didn't help me. They basically shut all doors in my face, so I shut up. 
And I figured, okay, I'm going to suck it up. And I, it was just one night. I can just make it. I went to work, got to the restaurant, and everyone starts clapping. I'm like, what's going on? They do, oh, he told us you guys are dating. Congratulations. About time Miss High and Mighty would date somebody. He put his arm around me, pulled me up close and all cozy, and he whispered in my ear, if you tell anybody, I will slaughter them in front of you and make you watch. I didn't tell anybody. I got quiet. I got to my, through my job and I went back to my apartment and he wasn't there, so it was good, right? So I cleaned myself up again. I went to work the next day. When I came home, he was there. And he said, guess what? Boss didn't like me. Apparently he didn't like how I looked at you. So he fired him. You've got a new roommate. For nine plus months, he raped me at least twice a day. I never finished college that year because I couldn't. And people called me a failure and my family called me a failure because I gave up on engineering. But what they didn't realize was I was saving all their lives because he told me if I told anyone, he would kill them. And I've seen the monstrous things he did. Now, time goes on in 30 days, I, I finally get away from him, okay? Because I'm screaming to God, help me, help me, help me. And God never answers. And then one day I said, what can I do? God, what can I do? And I heard from all around me, you're smarter than him. That was the one thing my father ever said good about me. I'm smart. So I sat there and I contrived a way to get away. And I made a plan. I got away. It worked. I told him I loved him and I would never leave him. 30 days he was gone. And at the end of the 30 days, I came home from work thinking everything was fine. And he was standing there with a new gun. And I grabbed the gun from his hand, with his hand, and put it to the bottom of my neck. And I said, shoot me, kill me, please don't touch me again. I'd rather die. And in that moment, he fell to his knees and he started crying. And he said, why don't you love me? Please, I just want you to love me. Why won't someone like you love me? And at that moment, I forgave him. I looked down and I saw a boy who had seen horrific, monstrous things happen to his mother or someone female in his life that he thought by raping me repeatedly was love. And it made me very full on my quest that all of this monsters in our lives and be it female or male, they have seen monstrous things and that they too are victims. And so my passion and power in this world is to get out there and show people that it is not, you are not defined by what happens to you. We have to break the chain. When something bad like this has happened to us, we have to get help. You cannot fight the demons in your head alone. You have to find someone who can guide you from the outside because as I told you earlier, it was embedded in me that it was my duty to stay under this man. It was put in my mind. And then when my mother told me I was lucky to have that much love, it just stayed with me for most of my life. And even though I knew it was wrong, it kept me held in place until I found a counselor that would help me through it someone who walked through my thoughts. So, do you know where you're going to? Do you like the things that life is showing you? Where are you going to?
do you know? Don't allow anyone else to mark who you are and what you become. You are your own person. Do not apologize for what you haven't done or what you aren't supposed to be. You're not tall, you're not pretty, you're not short, you're not whatever the heck you were told, whatever lie someone told you, it's a lie. You need guidance, you need, you need God in your life, honestly, because he's there. And if it wasn't for that guidance I've had through my 52 years, I would still be hung up on a family who I thought loved me and listening to them about what was real. But I found who I truly am and that I am worthy of love and I'm not worthy to be trashed. Think of what bonds we can break by finding our own help by finding people to guide us and by sharing our stories like this on this panel. So other people know that we don't all have to hide in shame for what happened to us. And then if you're out there and you're watching and you are an abuser, choose. Because only you can break it. Be the best version of you. Be unapologetic. And remember, you are not what you were told or what happened to you. You are you find you. Thank you. Thank you, Michelle. Michelle, thank you so much. I think the reminder, I wrote some notes down here as you were speaking about hurt people, hurt people. And Matthew started off the entire session with that. And so you have to really step outside and say, I have to be bigger than this. And I don't want to continue the cycle. Yeah. So congratulations. Thank you for sharing. Thank you. For every 1,000 rapes in the U.S., 995 perpetrators will go unpunished. Studies covering unreported sexual assault statistics show that the overwhelming majority of perpetrators will escape punishment of any kind. U.S. rape statistics show that too many victims are afraid to follow through with the legalities of their claim, leading to perpetrators escaping punishment of any form. Thank you so much to everyone on the panel tonight that has shared their story. I'd like to transition now to our sponsors that support this event and everything and all of the stories to find a better way. The first of our sponsors is Ragni Sanikas. She's the founder of World Women Conference and Awards, Women Entrepreneurs TV, and Changemakers Coach and Public Speaker. Thank you so much for joining us tonight, Rodney. Oh, you're still on mute. Yeah, you're muted. Sorry. So thank you very much for having me because uh, really truly empowering uh, presentations, but never, those are lives. We are talking about emotions. We are talking about uh, all of that which, which we, we, we think that uh, we read them from the books or we see them from, the, from, from movies and yet there are so many people that are, are actually going through all of this. And uh, talking about breaking the circles, I think this is our moment really to, to make the difference. 
and how we as parents, as educators, as, as uh, the, the part of the, our community can really kick in. And I think before, before any crime can occur, there must be three components present, which is motive, ability, and opportunity. And if one of these are taken away, crime cannot occur. So our, our ignorance is the sex offender's opportunity. We take away this opportunity by educating ourselves, and not ourselves, our kids at home, our teachers to to as as we have heard so many so many times there's homes that do not believe the kids so obviously they will be alone and the only way to do we need to have those programs inside in our educational system where we can help the kids one, whether it's prevention or we need to deal already what had be, has been happening. And, and also, us as parents and educators should be able to, one, recognize the victims and potential sex offenders. Two, respond appropriately to the victims. And three, report with confidence. But we all know that there needs to be process and people need to understand. Just, just uh, uh, Michelle's story, how even calling to 911, which should be the, the, the first responder. How can we deal with those things? And that those things need to be changed. But until we ourselves do not take responsibility for that, nothing is going to change. If I'm not going to step up, if I see something like that happening, if uh, I, I do not teach to my kids how, how to really even notice when someone wants to approach them, no? And do, do you know how to talk with uh, and, and listen to children about sexual abuse and personal safety? It's so important. So empowering through education is, for me, the key to, to any change. And I hope that uh, us as a team, everybody who has been today on this, on this panel and everybody who you are watching, this is as much as your responsibility as everybody who has been here today. It takes teamwork to fight sexual abuse. Educate yourself for the safety of your children help to stop sexual abuse. I want to thank you, everybody, for joining us today. Thank you, Ragni. Thank you so much, Ragni. So many points that you hit home. It's so true. You know, telling the story maybe for the first time, it's one of those moments that you always say, because I was able to share, I helped one more person. And so tonight was just that night. So if you're watching this live or going back and watching the replay, I encourage you to take action, take action, reach out to that friend that you think may have experienced something that hasn't shared that with you and be just that ear to listen to them. This is so powerful this evening. Thank you so much. Lakeisha. 
I'll turn it over to you. Hi everyone, I'm Lakeisha James. Um, I just wanna say thank you guys for sharing your story. I know it takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of guts. Um, I have never been a sexual um, assault victim, but I definitely give kudos to all of you guys for your voices. And I think it's power in numbers. Um, one thing we do need to do is continue to just raise your voices, speak on it, don't be mute about it, talk about it, because it's a lot of people that are still not able to talk about it. A lot of people are still being muted about it. So I really commend everyone that's on this platform, um, even the ones that wanted to attend that did not attend. I really commend all of you for just sharing your stories. Um, I love all you guys and I'm here to support. I'm here to encourage you guys because like I said, everyone has a story and unless you tell your story, unless you share your story, no one would know. So kudos to everyone that shared their story. And it's amazing that, you know, we've collaborated, Gigi and Melanie and I collaborate on this amazing event for the second time. And I just thank you guys for just, in, you know, involving me in this because to me, it speaks volume because there's no age you know, on being sexually assaulted. It doesn't matter if you're five, it doesn't matter if you're 55, there's no age. So definitely I commend everyone that shared their story tonight and I love you and definitely reach out. Like I said, I'm here to encourage, I'm here to inspire and we just wanna keep, keep each other going. Thank you so much again for allowing me to be a part of this platform. Thank you, Lakeisha. Thanks for all your hard work on both of these panels. We have one more to do. And you've done a, just a fantastic job. I so appreciate you. And we have another sponsor here. Uh, we will introduce Michael D. Butler. Welcome. And thank you for sponsoring the event this evening. Well, I'm just so proud of Gigi. Thank you so much for saying that. And all the speakers here, big shout out to Ragna and Daniel and Madi. I'm, I'm just really proud of Gigi and seeing her journey over the last couple of years. She's touching and inspiring so many people all over the world. And, you know, she's a great example of somebody that found her voice and is empowering women and entrepreneurs. And so no matter what you've been through, if you've been through pain, God can turn your pain into powerful purpose and an amazing testimony. So I would encourage you to follow her, everything she's doing, follow your dream, follow your heart. And if you've got a book idea, jump on my calendar at meetmichaeld.com and I'll give you 30 minutes of my time and we'll collaborate and talk about your, your book idea. Readership is up globally. And the thing to remember about books and stories is 76% of books in English are bought and read outside the US. So Gigi, congratulations on your second book. Congratulations on launching this platform and this amazing event. So. Thanks for allowing me to be a part of it. And thanks for asking for the sponsorship. God bless you all. Merry Christmas from Dallas, Texas and happy new year and keep on sharing your story. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Michael. Very nice to see you this evening. Oh, and we do have Daniel. We have Daniel Gomez from Daniel Gomez Inspires. I'd like to see a few words as well. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you. I just want to applaud all y'all's wonderful stories. I mean, I was listening to Aaron's stories and I felt just like I was there and I got to give all y'all women just credit and just I'm honored. Thank you for having me as a sponsor, Gigi. It's just for putting this together because one of the best ways to heal is just to talk and just talking about your heals your soul and just thank you that we were part of it. And to all the women out there, thank you for sharing your stories and being brave. 
that's pretty much it. I'm just really touched by a lot of these stories that were being told today. So it's, it's hard moving, powerful. Thank you, Daniel and Mari. Our pleasure. We're honored to be, my wife's working tonight. So I, I filled in for her too. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank Great. you, Melanie. Great to see you. You too. So again, Thank you to everyone that has been joining us tonight. We just have a couple of more action items. I want to give Gigi an opportunity to close this out. I'd like to say just a couple of words. You know, my platform is Everyday Leaders, and I believe that we do have that story within us to tell, to share, to encourage, inspire. And so every choice that you make every single day is yours. And you have that power. So many women tonight have said, if I just could have done something different, I would have, but I didn't have the power within myself to just believe that it was okay, that it was worthy. So I just want to encourage you again, be the leader of yourself and make those decisions and help a friend. If they don't have the voice, help them. And you, you started that journey tonight by sharing your stories. So thank you so much for stepping out. Gigi, thank you again for hosting this and I'll turn it over to you. Thank you, Melanie. And thank you all again for being here today. Thank you to our speakers and our sponsors. After listening from our amazing speakers today, you are truly aware of what sexual assault is. Now again, I encourage you to sign up for our sexual assault discussion group today. And thank you again to all of you. I will share the link now in the chat. And now we will end with a prayer from Lakeisha James. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you, Father, for this platform that Gigi created. We thank you for all the women and men that share their stories, Father. We ask for you to continue to help them heal, continue to help them lift their voices. And Father, we just thank you right now for today. We thank you right now for the peace because you're, they're sharing their story. It gave them a sense of peace and it started to allow them to heal. And a lot of us heal differently. A lot of us heal on different levels. And it's a lot of different layers to healing. So Father, we just thank you right now for this platform that allowed them to share their story, to raise their voice. And we thank you right now for everyone that attended. We thank you for the ones, the ones that didn't attend it. And Father, we thank you right now for what you're doing in our lives individually as what you're doing in our lives collectively. We ask you right now to continue to bless us, Father. We thank you right now for what you're doing on this day. We thank you, Father. We give you all the honor, the praise, and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you so much. Remember to go to the discussion group here uh, for the next phase. Gigi, thank you so much for hosting this event tonight. Everyone have a safe and happy holiday. Continue to wear your mask. Be safe, protect yourself, and thank you again for joining us tonight for the Domestic and Sexual Assault Survivor Panel. Thank you. Thank you all and have a blessed night.